over the next few weeks, I want to ask you if you would partner with me on a journey that's, I, I think it's personal as well as church-wide, in that I feel like God wants to meet with us, but can I say it this way? I know He wants to meet with us corporately, but I wonder if, if God wants to meet with you. I've been looking, and, and it's kind of captured my uh, imagination in a way of when God met people on Mount Horeb. Lots of significant things happened there. I'm going to read you one today. But over the next few weeks, I wonder if you could meet God in a way that would, would deepen your spirituality and build your life. I, I've come to serve you today. To, and today, I, I want to kind of not just speak to you, but serve you and to equip you. But the, but the burden behind what we're doing today is that God wants to meet with you. God wants to meet with you in your life, in your heart. And, and in some ways, that may seem dramatic, but it should be something that we all want to embrace. I want to meet Jesus other than on a Sunday, don't you? So would you, would you mind just remaining standing just for a moment? You'll see the reason why we highlighted the song. Because I want to read to you just 10 verses from the book of Exodus from the mountain of God, from Horeb. Exodus chapter 3 reads like this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jericho, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. You see, at Horeb, God meets Elijah and refreshes him. At Horeb, God gives the law. At Horeb, water comes from a rock. All sorts of things happen, and I'm just wondering whether or not over the next few weeks you could say to God, meet me. I want to meet you. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from a fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was fire, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush did not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him, from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, say it with me, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And this Moses at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. 
from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. May God bless the reading of his word, and may he reveal things to us today. Please take your seats. Thank you. Thank you so much for your patience and standing. Oh, God is here today, isn't he? He's, he's touching us. I, I wonder what would happen if God came calling in your life, that he met you on your mountain, that, that actually God stopped you in your, in your routine and said, I want to say something to you. Can I compare two verses with you? Let's have a look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 that we've just read. It said, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led them led this flock to the far side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. He's tending the flock. He's going about his daily assignment. He's going about his business. He's doing what he normally would be doing at that time in his life. If you have got your Bible uh, and you can go over to a few chapters to Exodus chapter 4, verse 18, it says this. Then Moses went back to his father Jethro his father-in-law, and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, go, I wish you well. So we have a conversation where Moses is doing his normal things. There's a conversation, an interaction with God, and then his life is completely turned around and changed, and he's on a different mission. Today I'm going to talk to you about some trademarks of transition, some, some things that you can do to understand whether God is transitioning you to something else. In such a short space of time, from going about in his ordinary business, he's now got a completely different mission. This is a real transition for him. I want to ask you, could this happen to us? Could this be something that God would do in our lives today? You know, older people are always, always talking to younger people and saying, will you settle down? And younger people often look up to older people and say, well, you lack some adventure, you're stuck in a rut. Research says that men want to settle down somewhere between the ages of 26 and 34, 34 being the optimum. So, so ladies, if you've got a boyfriend and he's coming near to 34, he's going to want to settle down soon, just, just to let you know that. Some of us are in the middle of very important phases in our careers and in our lives. We've got life goals and career goals, and actually we would not want any sort of transition right now. We need to go through what we're going through. And some people are always chopping and changing, aren't they? And they never seem to settle down and make any sort of progress because every new thing that comes along, they come and settle to it. How can we know when it is God who's calling our lives, even though it might be unexpected, 
but that there's a genuine transition awaiting us that God wants us to make. How can we know that? How can we be sure that when we say that we are available, that we really are available? That actually we're saying, God, yeah, I'm here for you, but God would take a lot for us to really transition to something. How many of you are really glad that Peter, James, and John really did leave the nets on the shore and left those boats and didn't kind of say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, this is a really bad time for my business right now. I really can't move on. How many of you are really glad that they did that? How do we lay the ground for such healthy and spiritual transition? That we're not just chasing feathers in the wind or everything that comes along. How do we know that we won't miss a genuine calling in God? What sort of characteristics do we need to have as a person so that we can be spiritually agile and alive to what God is doing, but also mature and stable and not thinking that God changes his mind every five minutes. Now we may not give up everything and per se, and, and God may not be calling you to be a missionary or something, or, or you go in the ministry or, or something, but how about it that you don't wanna miss any of the real God opportunities that God wants to place in your way, even in your daily life? How about you not wanting to actually miss the things that God wants to place in you? Because let's face it, it's not just going in the ministry that is a transition. Many of you have things that God wants you to do that you don't want to miss, that's really important for you to do. Well, let's look at some trademarks as a, in a person that can help us transition. And the first one is this, and I've only got three things to say today, but as you know me, the second point's got several subpoints. <laughs> but the first thing is this. You need to keep your spiritual curiosity. Look at, look at the scripture with me. Verses two and three says this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames from within a bush, and Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. He wasn't the sort of person that was saying, oh, this sheep is running away and that one never eats properly and, and I've gotta make sure that that one's clean and oh, there's a, oh, that's a strange sight. Anyway, I'm too busy for that and he didn't carry on with that, no. he was able to say, oh, hang on a minute, in the daily run of my life, let me go over and see what's happening. Let me talk to you a little bit about British culture, if I can. I know that we're from many nations, but we've all heard the phrase, curiosity killed the cat. Uh, this was used to stop people asking unwanted questions. It originally came from a phrase called care killed the cat. It was written in a play in 1598, meaning that we shouldn't worry about things that don't concern you. How many of you have been told that growing up? Don't worry about things that don't concern you. That's for me to know and you to find out. Mind your own business. How many of you have been called a nosy parker? I'm a spiritual nosy parker. I want to know what's going on, Lord. In theology even, St. Augustine, or Augustine, how you pronounce it, in his Confessions in 397, he wrote this, and he said, 
Eons before the creation of the heavens and the earth, God fashioned hell for the inquisitive. That's great theology. In 1639, there was a head teacher called uh, John Clark who, who kind of wrote English Proverbs. It was a take on the book of Proverbs, but he wrote these English Proverbs that seeded themselves into our, or into British culture. He, he said things like, early to bed, early to rise, makes one healthy, wealthy, and wise. How many of you believe that? It's just in our culture. But he also wrote this. He that prieth in every cloud may be struck with a thunderbolt. You know, there's something in British culture that says, mind your own business. Keep yourself to yourself. There's a caution within our culture, and I want to challenge that. We're discouraged of being curious. But actually, spiritually speaking, it's a great quality and very important to be curious, particularly and very importantly around what God is doing. Actually, spiritual curiosity attracts the activity of God in your life. Let me prove it to you from the scripture. Verse four says this, when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him, Moses, Moses. When the Lord saw and said, Moses, you're curious. I can work with that. It's the people who are not curious, the people who are so busy never to be curious about what's going on in the spiritual world that God finds it very difficult to work with. In fact, doesn't the Bible ask us to seek? Instead of talking about being seeker sensitive, we often talk about that. We need to be sensitive seekers in our lives and in our churches. I wonder if we can wonder, what's on your heart, God? What are you up to, God? You know, sometimes the whole art of being a Christian is joining with what God's doing anyway. Some of us might be too busy to find that out. Peter found out that when he was uh, in, in his house that God was already working in a man called Cornelius. And basically Peter just went to join in with what God was doing. The Bible says in, he, in Deuteronomy 4.29, but if there, from there you will seek the Lord your God with all, all your heart, then you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. Seeking and curiosity is a good thing in spirituality. Can you hear an amen, church? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15 says it this way. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, and the ears of the wise seek it out. There is actually a discerning and wise thing to be curious about the things of the Spirit. Curiosity is a component of keeping our spiritual fervor. You remember Romans 12? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's this curiosity that fuels the fervor. What is on your heart, Lord? It's the constant question what are you up to, Lord? Not in a striving way, but in a sense of, God, I want to be involved. I'm curious, Lord. So the question to you and me today is, is our routine so fixed, so tight, that you've lost your curiosity? And it may not be about being busy and having lots of time to sit around and kind of think what you're up to, God. It may just be a mindset where we are willing to say, is 
this what you're doing, God? Moses allowed an interruption into the normal run of things. And it's great to plan and have your day and your schedule and your file of facts. Do we still have those? But it's the curiosity in Moses that fashioned his destiny. Just drink that phrase in. It's curiosity that often will fashion your destiny. That in your mindset that you're open and saying, God, what is it that's on your heart? Second thing. The trademark of somebody who can transition and transition healthy is that someone who is available. Verses three and four say this. Moses saw that he'd gone over to God and God called him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Which of course is the famous phrase in the scripture that's used repeated over and over again. Abraham said it at the altar. Isaac said it around a dream. Jacob said it just before his brother came. Samuel said it in the temple. The psalmist prophesies it, that Jesus would say it and say, here I am, I've come to do your will. And of course, one of the most famous ones is Isaiah in the temple said, here I am. Send me, Lord, after seeing a vision of the Lord. The word, the, the phrase, I am, I here I am, is a sense of God saying, this is my catchphrase for I'm available. Our availability has to be real and not just in theory. Some of us might be saying that, yes, we are available, and we're saying, of course God knows I'm available. But we never actually really are available because we've got our driven plans and things that we have made very concrete. But I want to ask you, is your availability in theory? Some of us say, of course my wife knows that I love her. If you never say it, say it. I love you, darling. It makes it a bit more real. Oh, I can see some people nodding. I'm just gonna carry on preaching. But sometimes we are so familiar with God and we mustn't, we mustn't confuse our familiarity with our availability. We're very familiar with God and of course God knows that I'm available because I'm very familiar with him and I say all the right things and I can sing the songs and that's fine, that, that's appropriate. But there comes a time when we have to say, no, my availability is real and this is what God did. And this is what he did in the story that we've just read. He said to Moses, I need you to know who you're talking to. Take off your shoes, this is holy ground. I want you to know exactly what's going on. Do not come any closer, do not be familiar. I am the holy one. And in a sense, what he was doing with Moses was saying, whatever we do here, this has to be real. You have to know what is happening. You see, pastors will always preach that we should be available. And, and in the run of the day, and in so many small ways, we are. And, and I'm sure that you would say, God, if you've got anything for me to help somebody at work or to bless somebody in, the, in my normal routine, I am sure that you pray those prayers. But we need to be careful that our availability isn't just in the realm of comfortable obedience. 
that our obediences actually can go deeper, and there's nothing wrong with those small obediences. In fact, those small obediences build to larger ones later in your life. But this can just put us in a dilemma, can't it, that when pastors preach like this, because unlike Moses, who through one conversation and one divine exchange, he just switched the course of his life, we've got commitments. We've got bills to pay. We've got children to educate. What about Peter who just drops everything and follows Jesus? Wow, I don't know whether whether many of us could do that, could we? We've got bills to pay, surely. So what I'd like to do today, can I switch from being a preacher to a teacher? Is that okay with you? I want us to look at what I call an availability template because what I want to do today is kind of serve you to help you to make mature, available decisions. It's a process to know how we can respond and when we need to hold back. Just on the screen here, um, what happens in order to be available is notice, first of all, let's use Moses and Peter together. Um, Notice that there was, firstly, a clear opportunity. This is what uh, God said to Moses. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. It was to a specific person, to a specific place, with a specific thing to do. It was a clear opportunity. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Let's be specific about it. It wasn't just uh, follow, follow and be a good person or have a big dream. It was follow me. And one of the things that is really important about being available is that it's when something is a clear opportunity, then that is an indication that it's something to be available to. If you have a thought to do something without a clear opportunity, what you've actually got is a dream. And it's something for you to wait on. Something to you to pray about and hold. And it might be a good dream. It might be a holy dream. But it's something not to act on until it becomes a clear opportunity. And you notice another thing. That Moses and Peter also had a clear invitation. That, that actually... what Jesus said to Peter was, then Jesus said to him, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will go and fish for people. I'm giving you an invitation to do something specific. There's an invitation there. But in the burning bush, that was said to Moses, it wasn't just thoughts. There was a commission. It was an invitation. Go and bring my people out. And so it's important that if you're thinking, is this really right for me? That there's a clear invitation for you. And the third idea is uh, that if you want to have a mature transition is that Moses and Peter also had clear provision. And we read it earlier, but in Jethro says to Moses, in Exodus chapter 4, 18, then Moses went back to his father-in-law and he said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt. You see, he was, he was bound to the father-in-law. There's a covenant there and he needed to be released from it and see if they are still alive. And, and when Jethro says, go I wish you well. It was more than him just wishing him well. It was kind of a release of a covenant that they were in. It was a provision for him to do it. And of course, with Peter, we see a miraculous cast of fish. 
He's provided for his family there. I just wanted to kind of teach a little bit that actually some of us struggle with availability, but maybe if you could see a clear opportunity, a clear invitation, and clear provision, you know that the door is opening for you. I hope that helps you. On the internal side of things, you have to build to, to, to be available to God. That always has to, you build everything on willingness. That God, if, if, if this is you, then I am willing, God. Come on, some, some of you say to yourself, come on, I'm willing. Come on, say it. Speak it out. You see, but what you go through as well as... Um, as well as these kind of external things, this, there's an internal process that you have to ask the heart conditions, uh, questions. Moses went through several heart questions to get him to the place of transition. And, and he had to do it because his past, he tried to serve God and it hadn't worked out and he was really kind of uh, just injured in that process and this time with Jethro was a time of healing for him and these heart questions that he asked God helped him get to the place where he could actually do the right thing. His first heart question was, oh God, are you sure it's me that you want to go? And God says, I'll be with you. And he says to us, we'll be with us to the end of the age. The second heart question that he had is, well, what if they don't think it's you that sent me? And he was questioning his own spiritual credentials. And God said to him, listen, I'm the one who sent you. I'm the one who represents me, not you. It's not about you. His third heart question was, what if I'm not received? What if people don't accept me and they don't listen to me? And God's answer is, look what's in your hand. I'll place in your hand. The staff became authority. But what God says to us is that he fills us with his Holy Spirit. I, I love the end of Mark's gospel, and don't, and don't believe anybody who says it wasn't really part of the end of Mark's gospel, when he, when he says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe, and in my name they'll drive out demons, they'll speak with new tongues. God puts the things in us so that we can serve him. Moses' fourth heart question was, oh Lord, can you send somebody else? I hope you never get there. But we, we have this especially when we've had a hard time, and this was his hard time. But God always puts people around us when we're feeling vulnerable like that. He said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll bring Aaron around you, but you need to honestly get past this process. But you know all your heart questions? Basically, the answer to all our heart questions is found in Philippians 4.19. But my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You're going to have some heart processing before you can make a transition. But let it come. Let it be. And God will minister to you. Third thing. We've got to keep our curiosity. We've got to make sure that we have availability. And that availability has to be real. And I hope I've tried to serve you a little bit today uh, in order to help you make that, that kind of sense of, well, is my availability mature? But to transition, it will always mean that you have to have some activity. You can't transition in theory. This is why it says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Oh, this is really on my heart, says God. You know, have you ever noticed that? When things are on God's heart, and then he goes and says this, So I'm sending you. It's on my heart, but you get to do it. 
And you know, that's just the truth of what happens. So now, go, I am sending you. When God says he's going to do something, it usually happens through willing people. Church, it usually happens through willing people. So you can't transition in theory. It will take some activity and some action by you. We've all been so blessed by seeing that, and I've had it in my ministry where somebody had a dream and they came to faith. And that's such a blessing. But you know, most people come to faith by somebody saying, have you ever heard the good news? This is where the sacrifice comes in. All God's plans involve willing people. They involve activity by you and me. See, you can be as curious as you like, and you can be wondering what's on God's heart. You can be as available as you possibly can be, but eventually God is going to say, this is such a burden for me. I am so, so burdened. I can't stand the oppression. You go, and I'll go with you. There will always be activity. And that's where the sacrifices come in. God's part always spills over to a a sacrifice on our part. You know Romans chapter 12, don't you? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God got your body? Has he got the real you? Holy and acceptable, pleasing to God. This is your true worship. How about Hebrews 13, verse 16, that says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You see, you can pray for people, and that's amazing. In fact, I read this week that the start of prayer is the start of an uprising. Come and be part of an uprising with us. But you can't just say, bless you and be well fed. We have to begin to say, can I sacrifice for you? And I hope you know this verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, like living stones, being built into spiritual house to be holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So today, I wonder if you could meet with God on your mountain. I wonder if you're curious or whether or not the the curiosity of what God is up to, uh, the novelty of Christianity is kind of worn off. Can you meet God on your mountain? How far along of the transition scale are you? Like on, on one, one end of the transition scale, you are flexible and, and you're, you're open and you're saying, yeah, God, whatever. But, but I wonder if some of us might be on this side. I'm not saying this side, by the way, but somebody might on this side where we're, no, God, I'm fixed. I'm set. I'm good. I don't need it. Where are you? I wonder where you're at on that transition scale, whether God would have to break in or whether or not you are flexible enough to say, you know what, God, I'm I'm open. Most of us are probably in the middle, aren't we? But I wonder today where you are at. I'm gonna ask the worship team just to come and and be with us. 
But what will it take to arouse your spiritual curiosity? What what would God have to do this week? I wonder if in this week, in your very busy week, and your hard work after you've come back from Easter, and God bless you for being a part of our Easter celebrations. It was marvelous, wasn't it? You know, but... Even though you've come back to work, I wonder if you could pause at some point, even in your working week, and say, God, what are you up to? I wonder if there's somebody at your workplace where you could say, God, what are you up to in their lives? Can I bless that? I wonder if God can arouse something in you. Is your availability real and mature? Or is it that you think that God's gonna get you chasing after feathers in the wind all the time and keep chopping and chasing so you've given up on being available? But actually, can you see that there might be a clear opportunity, a clear invitation and clear provision and that your your sense of availability becomes mature in God? I'm just trying to serve you today so that you can run with him. Is your availability real? Or is it just, well, of course, God, you know I'm available. And after all this praying and thinking is done, is it time for some of us to act?